Welcome to Zikhu Dav Siman Ram Goldari and Dir Masakh Nadarim Dav Sadi the eleventh parak be Elin Nadarim. So the three topics we're going to focus on. Number one, the Gemara records an incident of a man who vowed not to benefit from anyone if he would marry before learning halacha, referring to Shas Mishnayas. The run explains that he wanted to complete this goal before getting married because he was concerned that after marriage, the need to support a family would keep him from this goal. He invested his energies but was unsuccessful. Rav Achabar Ravuna tricked him to think that marrying would not trigger the netter, and he married, which forbade him from benefiting from anyone. Ravacha then smeared him with dirt to show him his immediate need for other people to launder his clothes and brought him to Rav Chista to annul his nether. Rava marveled at his wisdom and observed his view that just as the Chachamim and Rabbi Nassim argue if one can revoke a nether before it takes effect, they also argue if a nether can be annulled by a Chacham before taking effect. Ravacha therefore caused the nether to take effect to accommodate Rabbi Nassim's opinion. Rapapi said the Machokis was regarding Afara, but regarding annulment, all Tanaim agree that a Chacham cannot annul anything unless it has taken effect. Ravina quotes an opposite version of Rapapi that all Tanaim agree that the annulment can be done before the nether is in effect, but it's refuted. Point number two, the next mission states, three statements of women were originally believed for them to be divorced and collect their ksuba. One who says, I'm defiled to you, which means she had relations with another man and is thereby forbidden to her husband. Or heaven is between me and you, which means he's impotent and cannot have children, which no one else knows but heaven. Or I am removed from Jews, which means she made a net of forbidding herself in relations with all Jews, which indicates that relations are very painful for her. Later, they grew concerned that a woman may set her eyes on another man and make these claims to free herself to marry him, so they enacted that she's not believed to say she was defiled without providing evidence. If she claims he's impotent, they should use a method of request, which the run explains that the husband should make a banquet for her to appease her. If she made a net of forbidding relations on herself, he should revoke what pertains to him, and she'll remain removed from other Jews if the marriage ends. And point number three, the Morgan inquires, if a woman claims she had relations with another man, but is not believed to forbid herself to her husband as per the rabbi's enactment, can she continue to eat truma if she's married to a Kohen? By her own admission, she's forbidden to eat truma, and there would seem no reason not to believe her. Rav Shesha said, She may eat truma, so as not to cast aspersions on her children's lineage. If she will be forbidden in truma, people will believe her claim of being defiled and consider their children born afterwards to be chalalim. Therefore, she's not believed even regarding truma. Rava disagreed because she can eat chulun, and people will simply assume she has no available truma. And Rava added that even Rav Sheshis would agree that if she becomes widowed, she's forbidden in truma here. There'll be no suspicion of the children's lineage because people can conclude that she was violated sometime after her husband's death. So once again, the three points are number one. The Gemara records an incident of a man who vowed not to benefit from anyone if he would marry before learning halacha, referring to Shas Mishnayis. The run explains that he wanted to complete this goal before getting married because he was concerned that after marriage, the need to support a family would keep him from this goal. He invested his energies but was unsuccessful. Rav Achabar Ravuna tricked him to think that marrying would not trigger the netter, and he married, which forbade him from benefiting from anyone. Ravacha then smeared him with dirt to show him his immediate need for other people to launder his clothes and brought him to Rav Chista to annul his nether. Rava marveled at his wisdom and observed his view that just as the Chachamim and Rabbi Nassim argue if one can revoke a nether before it takes effect, they also argue if a nether can be annulled by a Chacham before taking effect. Ravacha therefore caused the nether to take effect to accommodate Rabbi Nassim's opinion. Rapapi said the Machokis was regarding Afara, but regarding annulment, all Tanaim agree that a Chacham cannot annul anything unless it has taken effect. 
Ravina quotes an opposite version of Rapapi that Altanaim agreed that the annulment can be done before the nether is in effect, but it's refuted. Point number two, the next mission states, three statements of women were originally believed for them to be divorced and collect their ksuba. One who says, I'm defiled to you, which means she had relations with another man and is thereby forbidden to her husband. Or heaven is between me and you, which means he's impotent and cannot have children, which no one else knows but heaven. Or I am removed from Jews, which means she made a net of forbidding herself in relations with all Jews, which indicates that relations are very painful for her. Later, they grew concerned that a woman may set her eyes on another man and make these claims to free herself to marry him. So they enacted that she's not believed to say she was defiled without providing evidence. If she claims he's impotent, they should use a method of request, which the run explains that the husband should make a banquet for her to appease her. If she made a net of forbidding relations on herself, he should revoke what pertains to him and she'll remain removed from other Jews if the marriage ends. And point number three, the Morgan inquires, if a woman claims she had relations with another man, but is not believed to forbid herself to her husband as per the rabbi's enactment, can she continue to eat truma if she's married to a Kohen? By her own admission, she's forbidden to eat truma, and there would seem no reason not to believe her. Rav Shesha said, She may eat truma, so as not to cast aspersions on her children's lineage. If she will be forbidden in truma, people will believe her claim of being defiled and consider their children born afterwards to be chalalim. Therefore, she's not believed even regarding truma. Rava disagreed because she can eat chulun, and people will simply assume she has no available truma. And Rava added that even Rav Sheshis would agree that if she becomes widowed, she's forbidden in truma. Here, there'll be no suspicion of the children's lineage because people can conclude that she was violated sometime after her husband's death. All right, so now we go to our Simradaf Tzadi, and this sim was suggested to us by David Levine from Thornhill, Ontario, and by Nathaniel Yankel from Clifton, New Jersey. They both suggested that Tzadi is a tzedakah box. So here goes. The tzedakah collector who took a vow to learn halacha before getting married and went around with his tzedakah box collecting for three women whom he initially believed were divorced was shocked when he saw the wife who said she had relations with another man still married to her cohen husband and eating truma. Once again, it's slow motion. The tzedakah collector, tzedakah collector, that must be more duff tzadi, tzedakah box. The tzedakah collector took a vow to learn halacha before getting married, which reminds us of the incident of a man who vowed not to benefit from anyone if he would marry before learning halacha, referring to Shas Mishnayis, and how Rav Akhabar Rav Huna tricked him to think that marrying would not trigger the netter, and he married, which forbade him from benefiting from anyone. Rav Akha then smeared him with dirt to show him his immediate need for other people to launder his clothes and brought him to Rav Chista to annul his netter. So the tzedakah collector took a vow to learn halacha before getting married and went around with his tzedakah box collecting for three women whom he initially believed were divorced, which reminds us, the next mission states, three statements of women were originally believed for them to be divorced and collect their ksuba. One who says, I'm defiled to you, which means she had relations with another man and is thereby forbidden to her husband. Or heaven is between me and you, which means he's impotent and cannot have children, which no one else knows but heaven. Or I'm removed from Jews, which means she made a net of forbidding herself in relations with all Jews, which indicates that relations are very painful for her. Later, the rabbinic grew concerned that a woman may set her eyes on another man and make these claims to free herself to marry him, so they revised what must be done. So the tzedakah collector took a vow to learn halacha before getting married and went around with a tzedakah box collecting for three women whom he initially believed were divorced, was shocked when he saw the wife who said she had relations with another man still married to her cohen husband and 
eating truma. Which reminds us, the Gemara inquires if a woman claims she had relations with another man, but is not believed to forbid herself to her husband as per the rabbi's enactment, can she continue to eat truma if she's married to a Kohen? By her own admission, she's forbidden to eat truma, and there would seem no reason not to believe her. Rav Shesha said, She may eat truma so as not to cast aspersions on her children's lineage. If she'll be forbidden in truma, people will believe her claim of being defiled and consider the children born afterwards to be chalalim. Rav disagreed because she can eat chulin, and people will simply assume she has no available truma. So once again, the tzedakah collector who took a vow to learn halacha before getting married and went around with his tzedakah box collecting for three women whom he initially believed were divorced was shocked when he saw the wife who said she had relations with another man still married to her Cohen husband and eating truma. All right, now it's time for four blah blah chazar. Daf pei vav. So the simon daf pei vav is police. So here goes. The husband who watched the Nadarin police police. That must have been learned off. Pay up. Police. The husband who watched the Nadarin police put handcuffs on the hands of his wife, who forbid them to him after his makdish, his pledged field, and then redeemed it, which reminds us. The Gemara said that a woman can make a netter to forbid her hands to her husband for after her divorce. Her hands, although obligated to her husband, are in existence, and such a netter can be set to take effect in the future. The Gemara attempts to compare this case to a pledged field, where the lender may take its fruits, where the borrower declares it should be hectish, and then he redeems it, which is effective. This comparison was rejected because it's within the power of the borrower to redeem it as opposed to the woman who cannot divorce herself. So the husband who watched the Nadarim police put handcuffs on the hands of his wife, who forbid them to him after he was makdish, his pledged field, and then redeemed it, got so confused when she broke out from the cuff, saying that a konim is like hektish and his mafkia the shibud, which reminds us. Ravashi finally answers that a konim is able to take effect on her hands even while they are obligated to her husband. Konim, which cannot become permitted through redemption, is similar to a hektish of Kedusha's aguf, physical sanctity about which Rava taught. Hektish, chametz, v'shichrur, mafkin midei shibud. Hektish, chametz, and freeing a slave release property from a lien. For example, if one designated his ox to be collected for a loan and subsequently declared it a carbon, the hektish removes the lien from the ox and the loan must be collected from elsewhere. So, the husband who watched the Nadarin police put handcuffs on the hands of his wife, who forbid them to him after his Makdish's pledged field, and then redeemed it, got so confused when she broke out from the cuff saying that a Konim is like Hektish and his Mavkia the Shebud, that he mixed up his wife's netter on grapes for his daughter's netter on figs. Which reminds us, the next mission states, Nadri Ishtva Savashin, Nadri Bito of his wife vowed, and he thought that his daughter vowed, or the reverse, or she vowed from figs, and he thought she vowed from grapes, or the reverse, Harzi Yaksur his hafar is invalid, and he must revoke it again, since the hafar was made under incorrect information, either about who made the netter, or what the netter was about. Daf Pezain, so the Zimmer Daf Pezain is a golden Pez candy dispenser. So here goes. The husband who did a far for the wrong person mistakenly did Cree on the wrong person as well using a golden Pez candy dispenser. Golden Pez candy dispenser? That must be more off Pezayin. Golden Pez candy dispenser. The husband who did Hafar for the wrong person mistakenly did Cree on the wrong person as well, using a golden Pez candy dispenser, which reminds us, our mission which taught that Hafar for the wrong person is invalid, holds that the Pusiks using the term Yani Osa, he who shall restrain her, is meant specifically that he must know her identity. This seems to contradict a Bryce which teaches that if one is told that his father died and he tore Kriya, and then discovered that it was actually his son who died, the Kriya is valid, despite there being similarly specific terms in the Pusik describing David's Kriya over Shaul and Yonasan. 
The Gemara answers the Bryce of Kriya should be interpreted that he was not told which of his relatives had died. He assumed it was his father, but wasn't certain. Such an unspecific Kriya can be valid for the true deceased relative. Our mission speaking where he was clearly told the wrong identity of the vower, and his hafar was made accordingly for the wrong person. So the husband who did hafar for the wrong person mistakenly did Kriya on the wrong person as well, using a golden Pez candy dispenser but was informed, Tok Kedei Dibur, that in fact it was his wife, which reminds the more brings a ruling that all statements can be retracted within Tok Kedei Dibur, with four exceptions, blasphemy, idol worship, both of which incur the death penalty even if he immediately retracts his blasphemous or idolatrous declaration, and marriage and divorce, which are effective even if he retracts immediately after performing them. The run explains that the seriousness of these activities dictates that a person would not do them without a complete and unconditional intent. So the husband who did hafar for the wrong person mistakenly decree on the wrong person as well using a golden Pez candy dispenser, but was informed that in fact it was his wife, whose nether he tried to partially revoke, which prohibited her to both fig and grape Pez candies, which reminds us the more brings a three-way machok as whether a partial akama confirms the entire nether and if a partial afara revokes the entire nether. Daf Peches, so the similar Daf Peches is a garbage can or trash bin. So here goes. The terrified blind man who tripped over a garbage can, garbage can. That must be more enough. Peches, pach, garbage can, or trash bin. The terrified blind man who tripped over a garbage can in a forest and accidentally killed the garbage collector with his cane, which reminds us, the Gemara contrasts the Machokas about partial knowledge regarding Hafara with the Machokas about a blind person's inadvertent killing when going into a forest. So, the terrified blind man who tripped over a garbage can in a forest and accidentally killed the garbage collector with his cane because he was being chased by his son-in-law who was upset that he gave his daughter a gift on the condition that her husband, who was Hasutum, have no rights in it, which reminds us, the Gemara discusses what a father must do in order to give property to his daughter such that her husband, who he was mooder not from, will not acquire it. So, the terrified blind man who tripped over a garbage can in a forest and accidentally killed the garbage collector with his cane because he was being chased by his son-in-law who was upset that he gave his daughter a gift on the condition that her husband, who was Hasutum, have no rights in it ran to hide in his daughter's courtyard, which she owned independent of her husband, which required her to acquire a portion of the wine for Shetufi Mavos, which reminds us, the Gemara discusses a case where a wife herself owns a courtyard independent of her husband, since she must acquire a portion of the wine for the Shetufi Mavos for herself to be effective, she can also acquire it on behalf of the other residents. Daf Peites, so the symbol of Daf Peites, is a pot. So here goes. The wife who burnt the chalant in the pot, chalant in a pot, that must be more off, pay test, chalant pot. The wife who burnt the chalant in the pot who declared that she'll be a Nazira after divorce, which reminds us that was taught in Bryce that if an Almana or Grusha say that I'm here by a Nazira when I marry and she gets married, where Shmuel says the husband can be Mayfer and Rekiva says he cannot in the reverse case, where a married woman declares she'll be a Nazira after divorce and she gets divorced, where Shmuel does not allow Hafar and Rekiva does. Where Shmuel holds the ability of Hafar is determined by her status at the time the netter is declared, whereas Rekiva holds it depends on the time the netter takes effect. So the wife who burnt the chant in the pot who declared that she'll be a Nazira after divorce, served it to nine Na'aros whose Nadarim stand, which reminds us, the next mission states, Tashin Na'aros Nidren Kayamin, there are nine Na'aros whose Nadarim stand, meaning they cannot be revoked. They are essentially permutations of three types of cases, where she's a Yasoma Bachayavya, an orphan in her father's lifetime, meaning she left her father's domain through a previous marriage of Nisuin, or she's an actual orphan, or she's a Bulgaris. 
So the wife who burnt the chant in the pot, who declared that she'll be a Nazira after divorce, served it to nine Naaros whose Nadarim stand, and told her upset husband, Conan, that I will not benefit from my father or your father if I do anything for you. Which reminds us, the next mission teaches, if a wife says, Konam that I will not benefit from my father or your father if I do anything for you, the husband can revoke it. The run explains that since both the nether and the conditioner are either inui nefesh or matters between him and her, he can be made for it, although it has not yet come into effect, since the condition has not been fulfilled. Alright, so now it's time to conclude our pop quiz of 10 questions. Number 1. Which stuff does the Gemara contrast a machlokas about partial knowledge regarding a pharaoh with a machlokas about a blind person's inadvertent killing when going into a forest? That's on daf. Peches. Good. Number two. Which stuff does Gemara seek to resolve the difference between the din when one does hafara for the wrong person and one does kriya on the wrong person? That's on daf. Good number three. Which stuff do you have three statements of women which were originally believed for them to get divorced and collect their ksuba? That's on Duff. Tzadi. Good number four. Which stuff do you learn what a father must do in order to give property to his daughter such that her husband, whom the father was mudahad not from, will not acquire it? That's on Duff. Peches. Good number five. Which stuff do you learn hektish, chametz, and shechur are mafkia, a shibud? That's on Duff. Pavov. Good number six. Which stuff do we have the incident of a man who vowed not to benefit from anyone if he would marry before learning halacha? That's on Duff. Tzadig. Good number seven. Which stuff do we have machu? Because if a far depends on the time the netter was made or the time it takes effect, such as a wife saying she'll be a nazira after divorce. That's on Duff. Pay test. Good number eight. Which stuff do we have three mochukas? Whether a partial comma confirms the entire nether, and if a partial afara revokes the entire nether, that's on duff. Pay zine. Good number nine. Which stuff do we learn why a woman who claims she had relations with another man can continue to eat truma if she's married to a Cohen? That's on duff. Tzadi. Good. And number ten. Which stuff do we learn all statements can be retracted to de dibur except in four instances? That's on duff. Pay Zion. Excellent. That concludes today's year. This is Rabbi Ram Golden Zichu wishing you a great day and great learning.